7.32 and um, pretty coincidentally it's Earth Day today um, but it's appropriate that we might discuss one of this peninsula's natural marvels, Mount Pekdu. It became a symbol of the recent breakthrough in inter-Korean relations when President Moon Jae-in became the first South Korean leader to visit the mountain last year. After more uncertain diplomacy lately, a group of scientists has raised the need for inter-Korean cooperation on studying the volcano there, saying there have been signs of a serious eruption looming. We can now speak with Dr. James Hammond, Senior Lecturer in Geophysics from the Department of Earth and Planetary Sciences at Burbank University of London. He was recently in Seoul to attend a public debate and is one of the first volcanologists to visit the monitoring stations run by North Korean scientists at the mountain. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Now, Mount Pekdu's last eruption it was nearly a thousand years ago, um, but that was the second largest ever recorded, topped only by the eruption of Mount Tambora in Indonesia in 1815. So on the one hand, we're comforted by the distance of time. On the other, uh, perhaps the fear that this is potentially a, a massive volcano waiting to erupt again. Uh, what can you tell us about any signs that were brought up when you were there at the debate uh, held last week in Seoul? Um, yeah, sure. So it, it's certainly a volcano with, with quite a dramatic history. Um, and of course, a thousand years ago, geologically, is not a, a huge uh, amount of time ago. Um, but one of the things that's really got people interested in the volcano is really a period of activity on the volcano, not an eruption, but uh, uh, an increase in earthquakes. Um, there was uh, gases coming out of the ground um, and sort of ground deformation that um, kind of points to the signs that the volcano was showing some signs of life. Um, that finished really in about 2006, so it lasted about three or four years. Um, and to be fair, the volcano has been quiet since then, but that really um, showed that this is a volcano that, that we need to keep an eye on, really. Um, and so that's what we've been trying to do. Just at the end of last week, we saw uh, for the second time this year a, a, a magnitude earthquake of four or higher. And of course, uh, you go back further in recent history, and, and we've seen a few other unusual earthquakes uh, in this country. There, I mean, there, there is the caveat there that at least some of that geological activity may be linked to geothermal uh, man-made causes, but still, is there a suggestion that any of the earthquake activity here in South Korea might be linked to Mount Pekdu, or is that is that a stretch too far? No, I think, I think that's unlikely. Um, the activity on... Mount Pektu, even the earthquakes that were recorded during this period of unrest would have been would have been quite small, actually. Um, and it's a sign that maybe magma and things were moving underground during this time, but it's quite small and that would be quite a localised effect. And it's only really the very big earthquakes and volcanoes that, that, that could be linked and certainly not anything on, on the size you, you were talking about. But, but what would an eruption mean for the Korean Peninsula. I, I recall a few years ago, 
Um, having family myself in Iceland, I paid very close attention. Uh, when there was a huge volcanic eruption, it brought flights in Europe to a standstill. I mean, it caused all sorts of secondary effects. What would a, an eruption for the Korean Peninsula and, and this general region mean? Well, certainly in, in today's kind of globalized world and, and we're much more vulnerable to these kind of eruptions in terms of the wider impacts of what you were describing with um, ash, um, ash plumes causing disruption to, to air traffic. Um, now, on Mount Peck, to, you know, the eruption in 946 was very, very big. Um, but one of the things that we don't know very well about the volcano is its history. We know about the eruption in 946, but people have suggested there have been more recent eruptions, even as recently as 1903, um, but that was much, much smaller. And there have been eruptions before 946. Yeah, we don't know about these very well. So really what we need to do is study this history. We need to understand much more about the volcano so that we can... You know, if we want to understand what it might do in the future, we need to understand what it's done in the past. Um, And so that's that study that's really lacking um, on this volcano. Of course, ash clouds can be very disruptive. But just to clarify a little further, if if we were to see a a super volcano eruption, the, the kind that we saw a thousand years ago, is that the sort of thing that could spread far and wide across the peninsula? Uh, it, would we potentially even see direct effects as far as Pyongyang or, or any other cities, or, or is this something that would be mainly in that region, do you think? Well, certainly the ash fall from the 946 eruption, that fell um, fairly heavily in Japan. Um, it made it to the Kuril Islands, and the prevailing winds in that uh, at, at that time, and I think... Um, generally on, on the peninsula to the east. So most of the ash tends to be carried in that direction. But, of course, the winds um, uh, can change. Mm. You, never, you never know for sure. Um, in the immediate vicinity, the impacts would be much larger. Um, certainly, there's very big pyroclastic flow deposits. There's um, lahars coming, uh, which are, are, are movements of kind of mud and ash and water that travel down river valleys and they can be very destructive. So on the biggest scale, but those are the kind of things that, that could happen. Um, but as I said, we really need to understand well, how often do these very big events happen. We don't know that. So we don't know exactly, you know, if we would expect that to happen very soon or, or if it might happen further in the future. But this is part of the issue isn't it we need to understand we need to study and whatever else is going on on the inter-korean front um we, is that the main message here that that we need to get as many experts from around the world into uh, both north korea and china to be able to study mount Baek too thoroughly i mean i, I think there is a, a, an important i think there is a, a very clear argument that it's, it's a volcano we should know more about for sure um and there's there's three real steps that need to that are important one is to understand the history it is to understand the current state of the volcano and that's the kind of things that we've been working on 
um, to date with our, our colleagues in uh, North Korea um, and in China as well. But secondly, what's really important is to monitor the volcano, right? So, you know, it's important to keep an eye on it and see if anything changes. Mm. And our, our colleagues in China and, and North Korea are doing this and investing in doing that. And then the third is to understand where your vulnerabilities are. So if there is an eruption, and if you've characterized that history, you know, what kind of eruption you might expect, then, you know, where are you vulnerable and how can you plan to reduce those those vulnerabilities? So that's the kind of package of research that needs, needs to happen, really. Um, and certainly some of this is happening in Korea and in, in China, but I think there's there's more work that that can be done to understand that. Can it not be done in, entirely from the Chinese side? I mean, we we, we know already that a, a huge part of Mount Pegtu is uh, in Chinese territory. Does it require North Korean cooperation at all? No, I I think it does. I think if you, to understand this volcano in detail, you need to look at it as one whole system. So you need to look at it in both China and in Korea. Um, as an example, most of the deposits from the 946 eruption are actually found in on the Korean side of the volcano because that's, when we don't know in detail, but that is potentially be where the, the, the blast came from or in which direction the winds were blowing at the time. So to, uh, to understand that eruption, you really need to, to look at uh, the Korean side. And that's just one eruption. There's, there's many other smaller eruptions that might be completely found on the Korean side, but we need to map that in detail to really understand that. Can you give us a sense of, of the attitude of North Korea towards this? The, the, as we mentioned before, your research team has had the opportunity to go into North Korea. Uh, but but did you feel very restricted when you were there, or, or is it um, more nuanced than that? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've always been made to feel very welcome. Um, and, of course, there's, there's lack of regulations that, that we have to work around, but everything we've asked for scientifically and the the locations we want to go to um, has happened and that that's credit to our colleagues um, in in North Korea for, for making that, that that happen so you know it's it's there's, there's a lot of challenges um, of course but the scientific work has, has really been quite fruitful and we've published a number of papers um, and and so I think you know, getting around those those cultural issues has, has been a challenge, but we've we've managed to do that, and it's been been a success. The, the biggest challenge really has been the international sanctions, um, but again, we've found a way to uh, um, work within those sanctions to achieve the scientific goals that we want to uh, wanted to achieve. Finally, just in a global perspective, how important is this research? Just to hammer home this this point, uh, if we were to compare with other geologically active regions, is is this one of the most pressing areas of of research in in your field? 
Well, it's certainly a fascinating volcano for international volcanologists. You know, I, I'm a British volcanologist, so the last volcano in the UK was 60 million years ago. So my, you know, I, I have to travel and I'm lucky enough to, to, to be invited by uh, local scientists to work on these, these volcanoes. And Mount Pekdu has always been a, a fascinating one because it's responsible for this, this very, very big eruption. But equally, on, on a fundamental level, as a scientist, we, we don't understand why Mount Pekdu even exists. It <laughs> doesn't sit on a plate boundary. It, it, you know, it, it, there's no clear reason why it should be there. And we don't understand it on, on that level, why, why the volcano is there. So as a scientist, uh, you know, it's an incredibly fascinating uh, place to work and, and, and to study. Well, that, that kind of admission will probably only feed the mythology around Mount Pegdu, I imagine, um, <laughs> Dr. Hammond, and presumably you're also aware of that when you go there. Uh, for sure, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's something that we've learned a, a lot since we've been working here, um, how important and how symbolic this, this volcano is to the Korean people, you know, right the way from Dangun um, up to... Um, the amazing pictures you mentioned earlier of, of, of President Moon Jae-in and right. Kim Jong-un standing on the volcano. Um, you know, so I think, you know, I feel very lucky that, that we've had the chance to work with Koreans um, on the volcano yeah. um, and hopefully involving in South Koreans at some point in the future too. Volcanology meets diplomacy. Not every case would would have that opportunity dr hammond will uh, look forward to catching up with you hopefully when you're able to monitor on a more regular basis yep i'm more than happy to yep, no problem thank you dr james hammond there from the department of earth and planetary sciences at burbeck university of london we can now at 746 cross over to our news bite with isu